Hello and welcome to a Christmas edition of a German and an Aussie reviewer movie. And in keeping with the season, we're reviewing the Christmas film Best Christmas Ever. <laughs> wow, uh, that is a very misleading title for this movie. I have to say it's an extremely unique film, this one. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. But first we'll just start off because Gregor will give us a brief synopsis. So take it away, Gregor. Thank you, Jared. Also want to point out the title is also want to point out the title is Best Full Stop Christmas Full Stop Ever Exclamation Mark. That's very youth, really, isn't it? <laughs> oh wow, where to start? So quick synopsis. The movie centers around uh, Charlotte, played by Heather Graham, um, who is married to Rob, played by American Pie's Jason Biggs. And uh, Charlotte has an old high school friend and every year she gets a Christmas postcard from her. Her friend's name is Jackie. And every year they get a Christmas letter from uh, Charlotte's old high school friend, Jackie. And uh, the letters always describe in spectacular fashion the amazing year uh, Jackie and her family had and um, the adventures they've been through and uh, yeah, all the great things they've achieved. And Charlotte is very annoyed by it, partially because she perceives her life with uh, Jason Biggs as boring and uh, common. And also she thinks that Jackie makes up uh, a lot of the exciting things and in reality lives a boring life like her as well. But this Christmas, via mysterious circumstances, Charlotte ends up spending Christmas with Jackie and her sexy Latino husband, Valentino, together. I should also mention both families have two kids, so there are also some kids' adventures by terrible child actors. That's it, basically. Anything you want to add, Geraldo? No, no, no. Even though it may sound like a fairly formulaic Christmas movie, there's a lot of surprises, that's for sure. It certainly goes off. Also, as part of their backstory, uh, Brandy and Heather Graham's husband, Jason Biggs, previously were in a band together and used to sing together. <laughs> well, but first of all, the concept of the Christmas letter, Gregor. Now, do you receive any, like an annual Christmas letter update from anybody? No, I'm not sure if it's a thing in Australia, but I feel it's not a German thing at all. The only thing I remember from from recently is that uh, my stepdad's family, he, he works in the wine industry and he sometimes gets quite some fancy Christmas letters from these French winery families where you have all the five beautiful children in the middle of a wine yard. Kind of um, show off -y. So I get a little bit the concept then you can get annoyed by this, but uh, I don't really have it. Maybe you should start sending me a Christmas letter. Do you get some? Christmas letters used to be a thing before the internet. You would get a, an update because you didn't know what everyone was doing all the time. Whereas like as soon as we got Facebook and people got onto that, people know what people are doing. They know their kids have gone to university or, you know, they got a new dog or a new cat or a new car or they moved house. So the concept of a Christmas letter that would update you sort of is pretty much over. But I still do get one Christmas letter and that's from a family that I used to live next door to when I was a teenager, when I was growing up. And I sort of became their sort of like surrogate son there for a while and I used to go in there after school because my parents both worked and I became quite close to the parents you know like but of course you know eventually even though you think of start to think of these other people as your family eventually you realize you're not <laughs> and you know sort of things move on but story of your life Jared 
Yes, it, it is remarkably a story of my life of, you know, being adopted and everything and looking for families. But that's another podcast for another time. Um, that's a much more interesting story than this movie, I can tell you. <laughs> well, not for me, it's not. I do actually get a Christmas letter. And this year I got one slightly early. And the mother had told me that the younger son had been murdered. True story. And That's the Jared story. I was already thinking this is way too cheerful and there's no murder or crazy people in it. I wouldn't have seen him for, you know, 20 years. But I was still pretty surprised to find out that he had died and in pretty horrible circumstances. So that's not exactly the sort of Christmas letter that these American movies show. Um, I thought this movie was... First of all, we'll start with the actors. It was like a real, like, back to the 90s, like, because you had Heather Graham, probably best known for Roller Girl in Boogie Nights and Felicity Shagwell in The Spy Who Shagged Me. and Austin Powers, yeah. Yeah, Austin Powers. And Jason Biggs, of course, for American Pie and a couple of other terrible comedies. And, of course, then Brandy Norwood, who was... She had a, t it wasn't in Australia, but she did have a TV show. And, but she did have a few songs there, a few, you know, soft R&B songs in the 90s that were quite a, you know, a bit of a hit here in Australia. Um, so I just really liked just seeing them all. And it made me wonder why they were participating in something like this. Like, because it's just such a strange, strange movie. It's like someone started writing a script, then they gave it to someone else to write the next part of it. Then they gave it to someone else to write the next part of it. And then they gave it to someone else to write the end. Or perhaps AI wrote the whole thing. They're just, yeah. it's just such a strange film. But it was great to see Heather Graham. Um, she was, of course, known to be very spectacularly beautiful. And she's still a very attractive lady. I thought she, Brandy and Jason Biggs, although no one seemed to be acting their hearts out, I thought they all had a lot of charisma, were very watchable, like you wanted to look at them. Yeah, I, I just found... Uh, no. You're not feeling that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, first of all, it's nice that you found something positive. I mean, I picked a movie in all honesty, and uh, basically there were two reasons for it. One was I, I was looking for a new Netflix Christmas movie and was hoping for a, a spectacle like um, Falling for Christmas, the Lindsay Lohan movie we talked about last year. Another 90s revival movie that one was too. Yeah, that is a theme, definitely. And also, and, and because I like the actors. Yeah, fair enough. Um, seeing them, I felt like um, Heather Gray <laughs> as an engineer. That was uh, definitely a highlight. Cannot say that I see her in this profession, but she definitely, there were a lot of tears. They sp spilled a lot of water on her face, I, I would say. There were like these scenes where you the camera would turn away three seconds from Heather Graham and then, and then suddenly half a liter of water would run out of her eyes in like a not really dramatic scene. And then Jason Biggs, he's always a lovely guy to watch, but he felt like underused. I don't know, maybe I expected him to to bang an apple pie, but he definitely didn't do that. He could have, he could have at least banged a Christmas pudding, couldn't he? <laughs> Although that's a very German thing to do, perhaps. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> This can only get worse from here, so let's yeah, just We better stop. It is a family them. show, after all. I, I felt like in the end, maybe I liked the most Tino guy, Valentino, because his role was kind of a caricature, and he indulged in it. He was basically the sexy Latino stand-in husband. I don't know. I, I also felt there was no... Did you feel chemistry between, like, the couples or...? Uh, no, not I at all. See. They came across, like, brothers and sisters or something like that. Like, 
they certainly didn't have a lot of chemistry. I agree with that. And they all had really different acting styles. It didn't quite match. It was like it was written by AI and there was no director. The acting styles were just so, like, say, Brandy had a very hyper-positive, soft acting style, whereas Heather Graham was playing it really slapstick and Jason Biggs was playing it, you know, hey, I'm just an everyday kind of dude, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like in a sitcom, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Matt Sedano, who played Brandy's husband, Valentino, he was playing it. Sort of like something out of CSI Miami or something. <laughs> like it, was, it was truly a unique film. Like, I just could not predict it at all. It was almost so awful and so terrible that it sort of crossed over into arthouse territory. <laughs> I was r really suffering through the movie. But on the other hand, I was also thinking this is great material to talk about. Oh, look, it's brilliant. Because... Yeah, it's like you're saying, it's like, it feels like this uh, script got reworked like 15 times and maybe in the end they just let AI wrote it because there is no tension really. And there are like kind of a couple of loose ends where you they maybe try to create some, some drama or some tension. But in the end, it just goes to the most uninteresting, unspectacular ending that kind of makes everyone happy. The ending's really abrupt. It happens, like you're sort of watching it And then suddenly the credits roll up. It's like, it's a bit, oh, is that it? And then this is a huge spoiler for everyone who is probably super excited for the movie now. Santa appears in the end and wow, what a lame appearance. Jesus. It certainly doesn't have too much magic about it. But having said it, it's sort of compulsively watchable. It's got that weird thing that they do in term. a lot of American films that have, say, two women that are friends. They keep telling each other, you're my best friend. We've been best friends. Like, do adult middle-aged women actually do that? You know, maybe in America they do. Like, I can't imagine a two 40-year-old woman going, but you're my best friend. It won't be the same if you're not there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that either. But what I also found interesting, it was a very diverse winter skiing town in the US. And uh, I was in Lake Tahoe a couple of years ago. So a uh, winter area in California where you go skiing. And let me tell you one thing. There were no people of color. There were basically rich white people with SUVs. That was all you could see everywhere. And um, yeah, I guess it's time to change that. But also it just felt so generically put together like uh, Heather Crame and Jason Biggs are the stereotypical white people and then we need a person of color with Brandy and then of course she also has a Latino husband with Valentino and and also in the town there were like a lot of people of color and it was all a little bit like yeah it would be nice if it would be that way but uh, that's not the uh, American backcountry I saw. Well the thing that also occurred to me is um Even though, say, the four or probably the three leads were very well known, like, they were all, like, on the cusp of being something really big, but none of them ever did. Like, I thought that was interesting, too. Like, Heather Graham was really, she just sort of disappeared really quickly after her two big films. And Jason Biggs, after American Pie, was sort of slated to be, you know, like another, the King of Queens, that kind of guy, you know what I mean? A bit of a goofy, lovable kind of guy. He was in Orange is the New Black, and I thought he was really good in that. He played the main woman's husband, which I really liked. And Brandy, well, she was yeah. she was on her way. She had her own series, and she was a bit of a fashionista, and she had a few songs. And I did remember reading years ago that she had, like, a lot of eating problems, and which I thought was very sad for, you know, someone at that age. 
Although I did notice parts of her had grown that don't normally grow as you get older. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, she's had a little bit of surgical intervention there. You mean the hair, probably. <laughs> it is funny that you could that they could be all playing together like in a late 90s horror movie or high school comedy or something if you if you think about that. I quite like that aspect as well. But um, on Heather Graham, I have a funny quote from an actually very lovely common Australian friend of ours who shall be anonymous. He said to me when I talked to him about this movie a couple of days ago, he was like, oh God, I hate Heather Graham. She's so annoying in every movie she's in. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, from, from this nice guy, tough statement. But um, seeing this movie and looking back at her career, I was also wondering if she ever was a good actress. I mean, the movie she was best on was like Boogie Nights and Austin Powers, which just played kind of a copy-paste blonde girl. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I did but anyway. remember years ago reading that she was from a really hyper-religious family and they were really against the sort of movie she was doing. So I can't help but think did something to do with the family come into it. And then I also recall reading, although, you know, this was a long time ago, that she was a bit difficult to get on with in terms of, like, as an actress. So maybe yeah. that sort of stopped her going as high as she possibly could. Gregor mentioned that both sets of parents also have two kids each. And... I have to say, did that thing that they always do in these American type films? They have one kid that's like an adult, you know, like, like a year old person, and they're ten. You know what I mean? Like, how does this happen? Like, has anyone ever met a kid like that? Like most ten year olds, you sort of you can't get a word out of them for a start. It's they're like not intellectual geniuses. Like, there's a scene where they go to a bank to get a loan. And, you know, the loan administrator starts negotiating with the daughter who's about 10 or 11, you know, and everyone's going, yeah, you go for it. You show him what for. Like, it's so stupid. Like, I can't believe they still do that. I was like, I, I, I was seeing that. I was like, I thought we went over this cliche 20 years ago. But yes. And the kid wasn't even like lovable. It was just annoying the whole time. It was like an elderly grandparent or something running around in a kid's body. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and then, of course, the the son was like kind of stupid, but also kind of a terrible actor. I don't know. It's easy to shit on kids actors. I know. I guess it's super hard and everything. But holy moly, that was also uh, looking painful at his his acting. Didn't help it. I thought, look, I thought he was OK. You know, kids are kids. I don't want to rag on them too much. You know, like when you don't have a good director, which it appeared this film didn't, I think acting styles you know, children in particularly can be pretty badly affected by it. Not that I would know because never being a child actor or anything like that. And just and now we're going to come to a couple of spoilers here just in case anybody is, you know, interested. But it basically turns out that Brandy's and Matt's son, who you think is alive, actually died while he was overseas helping to build a well, was it? Was it to build a well for a... Yeah, something like that. Community in, you know, some third world country. He had, <laughs> this is where it goes crazy. He had basically a dream to go up in a balloon around the world in 80 days. And they still happen to have that balloon. So basically Heather Graham and Brandy take off in the balloon to, you know, fulfill this child's dead child's dream. <laughs> it just goes completely crazy. And Heather Graham, who is an engineer, magically gets the balloon to work by picking a couple of switches. It even seemed like this, the actors couldn't quite believe it. Jared, she's an engineer. Engineers just can do that, especially Heather Graham. 
It was just, and there were even a couple of things like they went, hey, how did you do that? And she'd go, I'm an engineer, and then flick a button. Like, it was so bad. <laughs> and then, of course, the balloon floats, you know, over the town square, and and then everyone thinks it's Santa, and, you know, like a whole heap of terrible coincidences happen. And it sort of ends with Brandy singing this terrible song. Was Jason Big singing it with her? I can't remember. Did that happen? No, it he didn't even do that. I was Did like, why? Guitar? Yeah. By the guitar, he did something. I think I, I felt like uh, he didn't even go on stage, and I was like, What's the whole point? Um, but uh, also uh, amazing in that scene was that they were like about 10 meters above the um market square, and and the children were thinking the mom was like Santa, and it was like super obvious that uh, it's Heather Graham with long blonde hair in the in the sledge, and they're like, It's Santa. Uh. <laughs> Oh, there's so many great moments in this sort of like it's just and also the, the whole the whole sorry the whole drama which you which you spoiled Jared. how could you spoil that because there's such a drama behind what's up with the missing son that couldn't come for christmas um jokes aside it's not really traumatic at all and then the whole the whole trauma is that he's dead which is super sad and the mom just made up a story in this christmas letters all the time that he's still alive that that didn't make any sense. It's like, it's not, you don't need to be ashamed of your son dying. What? I feel, I felt sorry for the dead son. Uh, this is just flat out stupid, I thought. Oh, look, there were lots of stupid moments in it. Um, but I have to say, everyone had the lights on. It was well lit. I've complained almost every film we've done that everything's too dark and no one has the lights on in their houses and they only have a lamp, even though when there's a, you know, a psychopathic axe murderer running around, they never turn the light on. This one was very well lit, but it looked like it had been filmed over a period of months. This is why I thought maybe it was a COVID or an actor's strike movie, because there were bits where they looked noticeably different. It was like they filmed it and then the actor strike came, so they stopped and someone else took over the writing of it and then they filmed a bit more of it. And So many continuity errors, like they are snowed in the house when they arrive at, at Brandy's house in the beginning of the movie. And then kind of a day later, they are on the market square where there's barely any snow. It's, it seems also fake. Like the market square seems fake. The background seems fake. The snow seems fake. I feel like the Lindsay Lohan movie we saw last year. And there were there were quite a few likable things about that uh, movie from last year, Falling for Christmas. Uh, at least there was like some entertainment in the movie. And also at least the location was nice. You know, you, you felt like you were really in a, in a skiing town. But and this also, one, it just yeah, felt like they filmed in a flip and flop house inside, put some fake snow outside, and then they went into a, a studio hall and filmed the market square or whatever. In Falling for Christmas, what I really appreciated was there was a lot of really impressive Christmas set decoration. Like, I remember looking at the sets thinking, wow, that looks a really amazing Christmas. But this one was really, you didn't get that sense of that at all. It was just like they bought a nice tree and they had a few presents around the place and some decorations. It didn't have that over-the-top, you know, candy cane lane type stuff that a lot of these movies have. When you have those things, it does feel really nice and does make you feel really Christmassy. But, you know, speaking of flip or flop houses, Gregor, I just have to get right off topic here. For those who don't know, when Gregor and I lived together, I used to watch renovation shows all the time. And Gregor thought they were terrible and thought it was a big laugh. And I was a stupid person. All the time. Anyway, I've discovered this new flipping show. Wait for this. It's called Murder House Flip. 
And basically, it's people that have bought houses where horrific crimes happened. <laughs> they get the people in to, you know, like, get rid of the bad juju and, you know, like, stick an island in and paint it up and make it all bright and happy. But one family, this is really funny, well, not the actual murder, but it is. That sounds made up. That sounds made but up. But uh, I'm not surprised. I swear to God, you can look it up at IMDb. And... They bought a house and then discovered that eight people had been murdered and buried in their backyard. And then, of course, they come in and go, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, like we're going to put some landscaping here. And we're going to have a pool here. And, and you know, we're going to cement over that bit where the bodies were. And then we're going to like, because in Australia, you, like if you sell a house, at a horrific crime that happened, you have to actually disclose it before sale. Oh, wow. Yeah, you actually have to say, you know, three people were shot here or someone killed, you know, 10 people killed themselves here or whatever. Um, but in the US, obviously you don't because these people have bought these houses and then, you know, people went, hey, you're living in the house where, you know, a serial killer, you know, buried 15 children under the floor. So I'd recommend that if you're into flip or flop type shows, murder house flip. <laughs> Honestly, even I might watch an episode of that. Very um, <laughs> funny. I feel like I can watch flip and flop shows again now. I feel like I've had enough therapy. Um, it's been a long enough time me not living with you, so maybe I can I can uh, try this murder house show. Sounds definitely uh, like there's more tension than in this movie. Yes, unfortunately. So I'm predicting a rather grim star rating or sterner rating for this one from you. So what would you give it, Gregor? What's the lowest rating we can give? Like a one star out of five yeah, or half star? Yeah, look, as low as it gets because um, it's... It's not even entertaining. I don't I don't mind a bad movie. It's only entertaining in a way that it's fun to gossip about it and and look at all the errors in it, but it's it's not even outrageously bad enough I feel like for it to be very entertaining. So, give it half star. I just have to give them one and a half for having the guts to package it up and say, "Yep, we've made a film and here it is." <laughs> And Netflix went, thanks for delivering that. We'll put it on rotation now. Like you've, there's a certain amount of like ballsiness to make it, to star in it, to edit it, to release it, and then for Netflix to publish it. I agree. Uh, that is an achievement in itself. I think it's like one of the top Christmas movies uh, on, on Netflix this year. So I'm like, this is oh, your yeah. what yeah, you're showing. It's true. But this whole Christmas uh, movie thing uh, has really been taken over by Netflix. They are like the new Hallmark, which I guess were the stores where you uh, would usually buy these movies in the US in previous years. And uh, even with, uh, I had German friends visiting and even the one friend was like, oh yeah, we watched a couple of Christmas movies on Netflix. This one is okay, this one is not so good. And it's, it's really like uh, becoming a bit of a Christmas tradition. But holy moly, undeservedly if they put out stuff like that. Yeah, it certainly didn't happen. And it wasn't even romantic, you know what I mean? Like, at least Falling for Christmas with Lindsay Lohan, it was a, you know, love story. So you go, ah, oh, isn't that nice? They're together in the end. But in this, no chance. Like, it just had Brandy singing a song, then the credits came up, and that was that, you know? So what yeah, were you... they ran out of money, I guess. <laughs> it seemed like they ran out of something. So what are you going, doing for Christmas? Are you doing some German Christmas sex maze or something like that? Of course. Uh, <laughs> as traditional Germans, we celebrate Christmas in a sex dungeon. And uh, <laughs> aside from that, we are very traditional Christmas in Germany, where you have like a big real Christmas tree with real candles, not too much uh, funky colors on it, and uh, same Christmas dinner every year with the family in Germany. So... 
So actually, you really know what you what you get because it's the same every year, but it's very nice uh, in that way. Uh, looking forward to it. What are, what are your plans? Are you going to be uh, in a tanga on the on the beach with a Santa hat? <laughs> I might be on the beach, but not in a Santa hat. I'll be having some sort of family thing, but there will be a baby around because one of my nephews is coming up with his wife and their baby, which is a year old. So it'll be nice to have this little baby around, you know, crawling around the place because I think Christmas is basically for kids, really. You know, kids and mums really seem to love it the most. There are a lot of kids on our Christmas. Yeah, that's a good point. So we'd just like to wish everybody a merry, happy and a safe Christmas, which I know is a really boring thing to say. But we also just want to bring to your attention, and Gregor brought this to my attention, that our podcast had actually been in the, made it to the wrap of Spotify. So, you know, it was actually featured on the landing page. And, you know, to me that was like... On our landing page, Sharon. Here's me telling everyone, Gregor, that we're trending in Germany. <laughs> well, it wasn't our landing page. <laughs> we increased listeners by 20% this year, but uh, that was just on our landing page, Sherrod. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry yeah, to I'm break it to you. Landing page. Well, anyway, so there goes another Christmas dream shattered. And I hope that uh, Campus doesn't get you and beats your ass because that's one of the many wonderful German Christmas traditions. <laughs> Germans, someone getting their ass whipped. What can I say? <laughs> Frohe Weihnachten.